this economic crisis is like a cancer. 18 to 24 year olds, there's only 54% of us that are actually working right now. There will always be economic factors that we can't control. Even shelling out the big bucks for a brand name school doesn't guarantee anything in a recession. Warning that the economy is very weak. And that the U.S. may already be in a double dip recession. What I would say to everybody is, get prepared. Get ready! Are you ready? No doubt! What you are about to hear is the unauthorized. Oh wait, I'm not even allowed to say that. Uncensored. Oh! Blink! Unfair Edge with Jonah Jones. Surprise. When you start a business, there are overwhelming and intimidating factors along with the ones that you're not aware of yet. And often you find out about them the hard way. But there is some good news. When you start a business, there are some things you are definitely sure about. The things that will help you establish a solid starting point for the enterprise. These are the things that will help you find your place in the already overcrowded marketplace. Things like who you are, what you have, and what you can do. Now sure, there are others out there that you aspire to be like. Businesses already in existence that you're modeling yourself after. Which gives us those little negative thoughts like, Why should I bother? Who am I to think I could do better? Others may be already doing what you're setting out to do, but that doesn't mean you couldn't do it differently than them. Or even better. So the first thing is, who are you? Consider these three things. Bottled heavy-duty cleaner companies claiming to be environmentally friendly. Tobacco companies with warning labels because they claim they're looking out for the public's health. And politicians kissing an undecided voter's baby's butt. What do all three of them have in common? They're all big fat liars pretending to be something that they're obviously not. Falsifying your image and making faux claims won't fool anyone. In online business in particular, I get annoyed when I see a digital dealer selling some PDF file, advertising it by saying, Oh, uh, only 10 copies left! I just want to hack the page and write in there, Dude, it's a digital file. There's no limited supply. Stop lying. Those clickbank sellers with their one-page websites, they get on my nerves too. They tell you that their product is so great with obviously self-typed testimonials that go on for so long, and you have to scroll through all of them to get to the price. First you're scrolling and you see this. It's a $400 value! Then you scroll down a little farther and it says more stuff. They add in more stuff and it says, Now it's a $600 value! But you still haven't seen the final price, so you keep scrolling for that. You finally get to it and it says, It's a $2,000 value, but for a limited time, it's at the reduced price of $300. Now, may I remind you that these are just digital files they are selling? Only one pirated release of whatever it is significantly decreases its value the same way a TV airing decreases the value of a DVD. So don't be dishonest like that. Just be exactly who you are. If you're a World of Warcraft geek that runs a business fixing computers, show up to a client's house dressed like a World of Warcraft character and keep your gear in a quiver. And if you're a beach bum bookkeeper, wear shades and a Hawaiian shirt to all your gigs. When you're true to yourself and own your image, you make it easier for others to trust you. Sure, you won't appeal to all, but you can't be all things to all people. You only need a small percentage of the world to like you, but what's even better is if they can relate to you. The business you've started already has no credibility, so give no reason to anyone to question the integrity they don't think you have. Second thing is, what do you even have? Factories, distribution centers, delivery trucks, and ideal locations... You ain't got any of them. That doesn't mean you have absolutely nothing, though. 
And if you do, then ask yourself, what can I use? Think of the things you can leverage before you even think about making purchases. Look at your available tools and resources, your immediate friends and family. Could you use your dad's truck on the weekends for your lawn care business? Does one of your friends have a grill and skewers for cooking your menu? You may be surprised at the resources you already have access to. Everything you have to run out and buy just makes it much longer. You have to wait to start amassing profit. So the most you can get away with not writing a check for, the better. The third thing is, what do you even do? A new genre has arisen in fiction. And that genre is startup how-to books. They give happy endings to a story that in real life has no ending, and they glamorize the most droning processes, such as brainstorming and coding. More annoying, starting each chapter with a little poem. Do what you love, and love what you do. With an attitude, there's nothing you can't get through. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you see, I love reptiles, but that attitude isn't going to help me get through a pit of cobras unscathed. Here, I don't make any qualms about smashing the do-what-you-love line of motivational advice. I do say, passion is important, but it doesn't pay the bills. Your passion is probably best displayed when you're making out with that special someone. You want to make a business out of that, you'll probably have to go into porn, which, if suggesting that to her doesn't get you slapped, it will certainly kill off all the passion of the relationship when you get into that business. You should always love what you do if you plan to be doing it for the rest of your life, yes. But the real trick is to turn that warm, fuzzy feeling into revenue. The academics of business advice writing fail to take into account the following four components of a passion-driven business when you're developing the concept for it. First one, not every hobby can be a business. Some of them are just hobbies, nothing more. Knowing how to cook a great dish doesn't mean you can run a whole restaurant. For it to be the backbone of an enterprise, you've got to be able to see the profitability of it right away. You can't run a construction business just because you're good with Legos. Second thing is, you can't just love it. You have to actually be able to do it. And it can't be done just alright or okay. You need to demonstrate irrefutable expertise. This blogging course I'm developing isn't something that I take lightly. The things I'll be showing people how to do are things I can only show them because I myself do them again and again. If you love photography but aren't very good at it, creating a photography course on Udemy isn't going to be very profitable for you. Before you try to turn a hobby into one, be honest with yourself and how good you are at it. Because how much you enjoy it doesn't correlate with how good you are at them. Third thing is, sure, you love your hobbies, but that doesn't mean others will too. These things may put a smile on your face, but it's not yours that matters. It has to provide value for others. Your want to sell something is no motivation for others to buy it. Is your product genuinely going to help others solve a problem? Will your service outdo or improve upon one that already exists? The most important question I ask myself with each post or podcast or video or ebook that I produce is, what will this help the end user achieve? If the answer is nothing, then it's time to find something else that people will actually care for. And the last thing is, even if you love it and can do it, you still have to know you can do it yourself. At least during the initial startup phase. You may know how it is being an entrepreneur and everyone tells you that you're crazy and need to get a real job. You're not able to hire a battalion of soldiers. So you've got to be the one-man army on a suicide mission. Fixing cars and building custom furniture may be the most fun thing in the world to you. And frankly, I understand that feeling all too well because... Nothing makes us men feel more like men than working with a sweet set of craftsman tools. 
But can that business get started with you and continue with only you? The fourth thing to take into account when starting a business is just what do you want? Now, no one can foresee the future and what's coming down the road, of course. One month can't be predicted, let alone ten years. And don't bother trying. However, long-term objectives are important to keep your efforts on track. I have a particular problem with a thing that back in business school they called scope creep. It basically means that you're constantly expanding the scope of what you're trying to accomplish, trying to do too many things at once, and what happens then is you just end up never getting anything done. But to the rescue comes Srinivas Rao with his wisdom. Use a compass instead of a map. What this means is you don't need to follow a yellow brick road that you never stray from. All you need to remember is the destination and make sure the compass is always pointing there. Then you can judge how each activity you do fits in with the big picture and where you want to end up. You know, all the trouble that Frodo and Sam went through on their way to Mordor was caused by the fact that they simply didn't know where Mordor was. Is this business you're starting one you'll pass down to your firstborns, or one that you'll sell to the highest bidder the moment they come around? Is this one you'll build entirely by the sweat of your brow and have it remain as such, or will it be one with which you'll attract investors and others or possibly merge with another? These objectives may change over time, but setting the bar at a certain height will keep you moving forward. And a word of caution about goals. Irrational goals are the catalysts of irrational decisions, and vague goals give you no specific ideas of what you should be doing to get them. Oh, I'm starting a business to become a millionaire. Well, that doesn't give me any indication of what tree to climb. Fifth thing is, how simple is it? Easy and simple, mind you, are not the same thing. With a choice, the options of it may be particularly simple to see which one is more preferable, but making the choice is still hard. If you were just starting to work out to be a bodybuilder, the last thing you'd try from the start is to bench press 250 pounds when you got spaghetti noodles for arms. You start out with some dumbbells at 10 pounds each, do push-ups and sit-ups, and carrying a few heavy things up the stairs. But new entrepreneurs think they can bench press 250 pounds with each arm at the same time while also working a leg machine. When you're going to start a business from scratch, you have to look deeper into the idea to find the real concept of it in its simplest form. That way you'll be able to manage all the aspects of it in its early days of launch. As simple as it sounds, it's not to be taken lightly. And when you think you have the idea in its simplest form, keep at it because you're still probably not there. Take this for example. You want to open up a pizza joint because your concoction of pizza sauce is just so much better than all the other brands out there. You first get the idea to open your own pizza restaurant. Well, here's the problem with that. Do you have the equipment or capital to buy it? Pizza ovens, dish sinks, pans, and utensils? That's just the kitchen. Don't forget about the dining room. Also, location. Need I mention the pricey nature of real estate? Then we still have marketing, supply chain management, and staffing to worry about. So what do you do? Well, you take the word restaurant out of the equation and then think of how you could pull this off. Could you possibly make pizzas yourself in your kitchen and set up headquarters in your parents' basement, make deliveries locally, stay open later than the competition, and get there faster on your bike that isn't subject to red lights? You'll certainly be there faster for your neighbors. Remember, as big as Facebook has become, originally it was only intended for just one small segment of people, Harvard students. The powerhouse of the tech world, Google, started out as just a search engine. If they tried being more than that from the start, like providing email accounts, mobile phone services, web browsers, and a world of online apps on day one, we may have ended up asking Jeeves for everything today. 
shrink the idea down to its simplest core. In doing so, you'll remove the majority of obstacles that can be avoided, focusing on a singular service that you can provide all on your own will make it easier for you to keep your base of clients happy. Ask yourself how many other ways you can sell X to Y for Z besides the way others already established are doing it. At first, Google only tried to be the best search engine, focusing on being just a search engine. After they got so good at what they did, and everyone recognized it, they then expanded. It's easy to get caught up in the big picture, but it's better to devote attention to the place the enterprise can actually begin from. And the last thing is, what does it cost? Is this the money machine or the money pit? Is the idea based on passions or profit? Why not both? Just having a great idea isn't enough. There's plenty of people out there that have great ideas. A joke going around over in Hollywood is that every waiter in L.A. has a blockbuster script in his drawers. How do you figure out the money part? The whole point of this is to make money anyway. First off, remove this phrase from your verbiage altogether. Uh, we'll figure that part out later. Because later never comes around. Without revenue, there's no business. Priority number one from day one is to generate money today, not tomorrow. Future profits you depend on, but do little to ensure their arrival may never materialize. Take this new idea of yours and think, if you haven't made a client with it before, there's no way you can predict, guesstimate, assume, or plan for future income out of it. The important question for everything you're doing in the construction of this business is, how will I get my first dollar for this? If you can't answer that in a clear, concrete way, you shouldn't be doing whatever it is. So hopefully now, you know a few things before you dive headfirst into business. Hopefully you have a list going of assets you can utilize right now, or connections you can capitalize on. And here's a little extra hint. When answering the five questions above, don't do it with an idea already in mind. Just answer them and look for the idea in your answers so that you'll have one that's really solid. This has been The Unfair Edge with Jonah Jones. See more at anunfairedge.com This audio was brought to you by Photodude. Whenever I can't find a photo depicting a specific subject or concept on one of the free stock photo websites, I go to Photodune. Because stock photography is just as expensive these days as hiring a pro photographer to shoot pictures for you, which totally defeats the purpose of stock photo marketplaces to begin with. But at Photodune, they've always had something that was at least close to what I was looking for, if not exactly what I wanted. They have pictures of everything from animals, architecture, business, food, health, sports, people, technology, travel, and so much more. Each photo has price options between one and nine bucks, based on size and resolution. If you're using these for a website, the smaller sizes will work just fine. You can buy them immediately via PayPal or use prepaid deposits. Check them out at an unfairedge.com/photos.